Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with the purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the Successful Life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with my man, Dan Antonelli. Actually, you might be the first name I actually said right, if I did say it right. <laughs> All good, man. Perfect. Perfect. What's up, brother? How are you? What's going on, pal? Good to be hanging oh, out with you today. Good to be here, man. So Dan Dan is the, is the president and chief creative officer of kick charge creative an award-winning new jersey-based branding agency so i won't go all through all of these things dan because it is a mouthful but you've been recognized in just about every magazine on the planet that is a worth anything uh you've been running a digital or you've been running your agency for 25 years and you've yeah, been working with yeah 27 years yeah and you've made massive dent in this in the service industry market with your brain with with what you do your the your agency yeah in the brain you do tell yeah, us about it's, it. it's pretty it's pretty cool it's it's uh you know 27 years later i still come here every day like pumped up and excited about what we're doing and uh listen what other what other job can you do that you're like literally changing the lives of the people who hire you you know it's it's super cool to have that impact and uh I'm blessed with an amazing team here that share, shares that passion and, and that enthusiasm. And, and um, a lot of them came from a, bigger agencies where their work, they felt made no difference, you know? So they're doing work for a big, large corporation and on a daily basis, not really seeing the impact of that work. So I think it's like really cool that we can, you know, collaborate and build these brands for these uh, businesses that literally like change their lives. It's like really just an amazing experience. And I'm so fortunate and blessed that I have the opportunity to do that. Like every day, it's, it's crazy. And so you're, it, it is crazy. And I love that you mentioned, you mentioned culture a little bit in there and I want to dive into that, but, but Dan, you got a book that's coming out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I just got my press copies or my advanced copies, um, um, literally like yesterday. So it's called branded, not blended kick charge your home service brands. So, um, you know, just a ton of really 
um, great content about what it takes to build a home service brands. We talk about um, the mechanics of, of brand building, talk about how it affects culture, how it affects average tickets, how it affects recruitment, um, all these aspects I touch upon and, and literally just drawing on, you know, 15 or 20 years of almost pure dedicated home service brand experience. Um, and I just like, like dumped everything I know, like into this book. Um, so I think if like you're, you're a, a home service owner and you're struggling to try to figure out how all this stuff works or how, how it's so important, um, in your business or even just understanding the mechanics of it. I think it's a great book. I don't think there's a book out there that really is so specifically focused on home service. So I think that part I really love because, you know, there's a lot of pie in the sky, like bullshit books about branding that don't really talk about what the most basic needs are for a home service company, you know? So talking about how it affects your, you know, even just building a better truck wrap, like that's, that's foundational to their success. And yet there's so much bad information um, about it. Naming is another thing, you know, a whole chapter on naming, um, how naming affects consumer behavior and a lot of theory involved. So, so just to me, it's like very nuts and bolts. I think it's a very easy read. There's tons of examples and case studies of guys that we've worked with and kind of what's happened to them after the, the, the brand launch. Um, so I'm really pumped up because it's like, like I said, it's like, I've had this stuff in my mind for so long. Um, and it's my second, it's, it's really my fourth book, but it's my second book on home on, um, small business branding. But this one is very niche. It's very specific to the needs of a home service company. That's fantastic, dude. People, it, this is like, and I've read part of it because you were so kind enough to send it to me. And there's some stuff in there that, like, there's numbers in there that blew my mind. And I just want to throw a couple of these out, which, of course, you know them. But for people watching and listening, you got an 11. Let me start out with this one. I'll start with the biggest one. 1133% increase in revenue with one of your brands, right? And that, and that, that was over a six-year period. But 1133%, that is ridiculous. I can't even wrap my head around. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there there are some really crazy numbers, and and even some of the numbers that are actually smaller from a percentage standpoint, but are actually huge from a revenue perspective. So, like even talking about Tommy Mello and his expansion, you know, thirty two million to I think seventy million over the course of twenty four months after rebranding. So it it only sounds like well, he only doubled in revenue, um, or a little. So it doesn't sound like it's that much, but you're like, holy shit, he, he grew like forty million dollars since rebranding. <laughs> And of course, like, listen, the brand isn't the, the sole reason why Tommy's Tommy's like, you know, a superstar and, and has an amazing management team, amazing culture, amazing operation. So I don't want everyone, anyone to un- misunderstand and think, hey, I'm just going to slap a new logo on my truck and suddenly I'm going to be killing it. Right. Because, of course, there's aspects of operations that they need to be need to be have dialed in. But, you know, if you're running a well-run company that just doesn't look like a well-run company we can fix that. And this book will talk about how to fix that. I think that that's the the most crucial thing is like so many guys, so many home service owners, they ring the doorbell, they go into the home, they perform an amazing service there. They leave that, that, that consumer with a, a very positive lasting impression. But before they were able to get in that door, if that consumer were to judge them by that truck on the road or that website or the business card, they just got handed, they don't really know that yet. Okay, so it's like they have to almost prove themselves after they ring the doorbell. And the whole point of branding is to have people 
believe something about you before you get the opportunity to get in their door, right? So I want them to think that you're the most amazing home service operator before you ring the doorbell. Once you're in there, I know you're going to kill it, right? Because that's the kind of operation you have, right? Your, your best practices, you're doing all the things right, okay? The way your CSRs answer the phone, like all those things are dialed in. But I see that van on my neighbor's driveway and I'm like, eh, I don't think anything over it. So I want you to think something about that company before you have the opportunity to interact. And then once you're in there, then you kill it. And and the way that this also affects even just once you're inside the home is it affects perceptions in terms of like the guys are obviously all trying to get paid very fairly for their work, trying to increase average tickets, right? Trying to instill value into what they provide. Well, if I have a shitty brand, like it's really hard to communicate value because the consumer doesn't believe there's a reason they should pay more for your services. So if I can match up that perception with reality that that company provides, then the consumer is more willing to pay more for that service because there's a, they believe there's a value, there's a benefit for them. Okay. So right. that's where you see guys run into that wall where like, oh shit, I can't, I can't charge more for for my work. And I'm like, well, maybe you don't look like you should be charging more for your work, right? Maybe it's presentation, maybe it's image, maybe it's perception. So if I can control perception, then I can have people believe something. I'm not talking about like being deceitful about it. I'm just trying to have people marry up what you really do, right? So if I don't get you the opportunity to get in front of the door, it doesn't matter how great that you are, but I got to get you in the door. I got to have them feel something different. So that's really how all this stuff works. This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by House Call Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, House Call Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Absolutely. And, and, and you're 100% right. I do have a question. So um, I think let, let's take, you know, well, any of the brands that you work with, the way you brand companies are similar in that, you know, it, it, the, the colors are vibrant. You're going to see these vans or trucks, mm-hmm. whatever, when they're going down the road, if you put, if you did the branding. And so I, I had a conversation with a guy ye- yesterday about, about this very thing. Now he was a roofer. He's not somebody's not necessarily calling him to come to their house, right? It's not a, he's not a plumber, not H HVAC guy. He's not right. And so I think there's a, and, and you're, you're the one that can answer this question. What's the difference in the, those two guys, right? So I get, obviously I understand the plumbing and the HVAC portion because that's important. As you just mentioned, when you pull up to the house, they need to see a beautiful brand. But if you're a roofer and you're driving through a neighborhood with that same van Do you think that's effective or do you think it's not effective? And I'm just curious. So it's, it's similar in, in in certain aspects of it, but the the commonality is in the fact that truck wraps by themselves are not meant to be calls to action. Okay. The, the primary objective of truck wraps is 100% brand building. Okay. That's really the reality of how that medium is supposed to work. It's not like you expect the person driving behind you at that very second to need your services. Maybe they do, and if they do, that's that's a that's a happy coincidence, but it's not really how that medium is designed to work. It's more top of mind. 
so the so the way it's supposed to work and the way it does work when it's done well is when you are ready for service you have an impression that is sticky you have that name in your head because that's what we talk about in the book talk about winning online and you say well how does having an effective truck wrap help me win online like well, how is that even related it doesn't make sense they're two different mediums but but the reality is is if i can get you to remember my name when it's time for service then all the seo and all the google my business and lsa and all that other none of that shit matters because you just typed in my name and i'm going to win on a branded search every time right so so again the weaker the brand the more money you're going to need to spend online so that your listing is on the top but i'd rather someone search your name beforehand right i'd rather they know who to call because they've sure. seen that truck they've seen it and it's left an impression and, and it's a positive impression so i think that that aspect of it um is is really critical regardless of roofing or 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 any home service and i think it's funny because google in the book i have a stat that google put out themselves and it was saying that um in most trades for the home service industry about 80 to 85 percent of the people that are searching for a home service contractor do not know the name of a contractor to call right so so google's point is this is why it's so important to invest in seo and this is why it's so important to invest in lsa and all this other stuff right so to me it's like it's like that's opportunity that's that's screaming opportunity that means that 85 percent of the people have no fucking idea who you are right yeah. so how, how do i fix that and if i can fix that if i can get in your head then I can win online without having to spend all this money on all this other SEO. And, and listen, you need that shit, like, of course, right? I'm not saying that you can do all this stuff without it, but that's the whole point. So if like, you think about it, you're saying, oh my God, in my own community, maybe 15% of the people know who I am. That's like, that's like a failure on your part, right? That means you're not doing a good job, right? So right. we have clients that are so well known within their community they're spending less than 4% of revenue on advertising and they're basically doubling their business almost every year. So you say, well, how, how the hell is that possible? How are they spending? Cause you hear guys, oh my God, you gotta spend like 10% if you wanna be in growth mode, right? I'm like, no, right. bullshit. Like you don't need to spend that as long as you've got the right brand and you've got that, that brand that can be sticky in somebody's mind. So like that aspect of it, whether it's a roofer, whether it's a plumbing company, again, you know, and roofing is to me, roofing is like as an industry as a whole is like five years behind the rest of the home service world in terms of branding, understanding that aspect of it. We're actually doing a bit more in the roofing industry. And to me, I love it because there's so few competitors in any given market that have any clue about what they're doing from branding. So it's like, oh, man, we could kill it in this market just by doing something that's much more disruptive than what everybody else is doing. But Dan, I think that goes to I would argue that that's a lot that Hey, that 85%, I would say that a lot of companies fall close to that category because mm -hmm. here's my here's what I've what I found. If you show up on time, if you do a good job, you're better than 85% of the other people True. out there. Can you imagine if you had a great brand? Holy crap, they remember your brand, right? right? And here's the other key, right? It may they it's not about the it's not about the it's not about the rap making you money. And here's the point you were driving home is that if I can get you to look at my vehicle, I don't care what it says on it. As long as you see my vehicle and you remember it, that's right. all that matters. That's it. Right. Right. And, and in terms of ROI, though, I mean, we, we have stats from different clients 
either through through the CSRs recording the, the, the source of the lead or, or dedicated numbers on the truck routes. But we, we have clients that are, are generating huge amounts of revenue from their from their truck wraps. Um, and like we like one client in particular we have where we, we had 18 vans almost responsible for one million dollars in revenue. And if you say each van will last five years and you divide it all out, he was basically spending less than twenty thousand dollars a year to generate one million dollars in revenue. Like you tell me what other medium is going to generate one million dollars in revenue for less than twenty thousand dollars. Like if I told you you'd do that all day long, like it would be a no brainer. All day long. When we did the math on it, it was like I'm like, no one's gonna believe this stat. They're gonna say it's all bullshit. But hey, listen, it's it's actually for Jason Bueller, Bueller Air in Jacksonville. Call him up, he'll verify it if you want. But um it's crazy the numbers that we see with that. And again, it's just done right. So to your point, you can you can have a disruptive truck wrap. I could make a truck wrap that would be pink and purple and and polka dots and people would say they see it all the time right so so that's the other part where people get confused about it is when when people say to the owner oh my god i see your truck wraps all the time um that's great that's that's step one step two is what did the truck wraps say about your company and that's where guys they they mess that all up right so the pink and right. polka dots gets me the attraction but it doesn't make people think i'm honest i'm trustworthy i'm going to deliver great value uh, I'm going to show That's up on right. like none of those things are being infused in that disruption. So you got to be careful with disruption as a concept because you have to disrupt while still delivering brand promise. And that's where guys, they don't, they don't usually hit that. They can maybe hit one if they're lucky. Um, and then they forget about the, they don't do so well in the second part of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and a lot of people start out with, with, you know, they, they buy their logo or they do the branding or they have that stuff done before they even, you know, before they even find out if anybody wants what they're selling. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's insane. I, I'm sure you do not take on people that, that, that do that because, or maybe you do, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't think so. Um, when somebody comes to you and they're, and they're just starting out, they have nothing. And they say, well, this is where I want to start. I mean, what would be your, your answer to that? And maybe I just don't know enough about it. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is that if you can do it right from the beginning, you're going to have so much of a greater chance of success later on. And long-term you'll spend significantly less. So the difference between rebranding a $3 million company, you know, the challenge with that versus starting from scratch with someone who's brand new is now everything that starts, everything that follows is on brand. Now you get to redesign and rebrand and we rebrand, you know, hundreds a year at those higher levels, but now everything that's out there has to be done over. So it's like, well, imagine if you had just invested properly from day one, and I know it's an expense and I know it's costly to do it right from day one, but now you would have probably grown faster. You know, you would have gained traction within your community faster and you wouldn't be based with the, with the, the daunting task of redoing everything, rewrapping all your trucks and all those expenses. Like I, I had a guy recently who's got, you know, awful brand, and I was talking to him about it and, and uh, you know, just all the characteristics that you don't want to have in it. And he's at $10 million in revenue. And he's like, Dan, it's, it's going to be so expensive to rebrand. And I'm like, dude, it's so expensive not to rebrand at this point. Like, you know how much you're losing because of this and how, how much? much it's costing you. Right. So, so there's never a better time 
to rebrand when it's necessary than it is right now because it's never going to get cheaper. It's not going to be cheaper when you're $15 million or $20 million. And then all the lost opportunities, what's the cost involved in that, that that you're not seeing, right? So, you know, I can look at this and it's, I feel like, I feel like it's almost like a sickness that I'm driving on the road and that's all I'm doing is, is assessing wraps and, and people's logos. And, and a lot of times I honestly just feel bad because I'm like, they don't know probably how much that this is hurting them. That's why I, like I wrote the book because I'm like, you know what? Like, even if you can't use us, just read the book. So at least you understand like what it is that you're working, working with. And, and so many guys too, like they want to love their own brand. They think it's all about them and they forget that it's largely about what Mrs. Jones likes and what is, what does she think about and, and, and the bias that she brings to the table as far as being worried about who's coming to her home. So she thinks all contractors are, you know, maybe going to screw her or maybe going to overcharge her for something that she doesn't need. Um, and, She's worried about who's coming to her home. So how does the branding uh, address what she's concerned about, right? So, so forget about all the, 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 the diamond plate and, 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 and snowflakes and, and fires and flames and carbon fiber for your truck wrap because she doesn't want to really see that. That's not actually making her feel warm and fuzzy, right? So right. thinking about branding from her perspective is also something that guys really don't take on initially it's more like hey what do i like what are my buddies like that kind of stuff and that's not going to take you very far into the the you know the notion of what makes her feel comfortable with who's coming to her home it's almost adding to that apprehension when you go in that really aggressive you see that even with mascots you know there, there's a, a section in my book where i talk about mascots and i talk about like these overly aggressive mascots you know the ones that have like the muscles and they're carrying a, a pipe and uh, they look all macho and shit. And, and the problem with that is like, that doesn't make her feel at ease. Like now there's some muscle head guy with a wrench who looks like he's going to beat the shit out of me coming to my home. I don't think that that's what I want to see inside my house. So I'm not saying you need to be, you know, butterflies and, and flowers for your, for, your, for your branding either. But you have to, you have to acknowledge the fact that Women are going to make up 70 to 80% of the, the uh, decision-making. And how does your brand speak to that audience is something you have to be very cognizant of. No, I, you, I 1000% agree. Um, and, and who is your audience, right? That's super important. You got to figure out who, who do you who do you sell to? Who is your favorite person to sell to? Who is the person that you make the most money off of? Those things are super important factors to take into to, to account when you're thinking about building this brand, right? I mean, that, all of those things are super important. Yep. 100%. Would you say that, well, I, I already, I know the answer to this, but I want to, I want you to tell me. So if I have, let's say I have a shitty brand, right? And, and like you said, I wait five years. So we're go from, we're, we're at 10 million and, and I want to grow, but I'm your guy that says that's too expensive. How much easier I mean, I'm sorry, how much harder is he making it on his employees to make him money by not having a compelling brand and story? Yeah. So, I mean, from an employee perspective, there's a lot um, of things related to culture. There's a lot related to vision and voice and 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 uh, mission. Right. So so, um, you know, you, you definitely see 
um, I mean, I'm on all the Facebook groups with a lot of the HVAC owners and, and you see them talking about the challenges of recruitment and, and uh, the, the nobody wants to work here. Nobody wants to work for me. I can't keep good people. I can't find good people. And then, you know, you look at sort of what their brand looks like, what their trucks look like, what the uniforms look like. And you sort of ask yourself the question, well, I don't know that, you know, I, I know why maybe you're not able to recruit people because it doesn't look like a place I want to work for. It doesn't look like a place I'm going to be proud to wear a shirt um, or drive in that truck uh, or walk into an office or a training room and, and feel you know, like I'm part of something. So, so I think sometimes it's, you have to be very introspective of your own company, um, the image that you project and say, is it really actually projecting um, the type of employee that we would want to attract? Um, and and I, I sort of look at old brands. I, I say it's in the book, I talk about it being like a warm blanket for the owner, you know, because they've had it for so long. It, it's, it's, it's very warm and, 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 and cuddly and, um, it's worked to this point, but you, a lot of times you really see it's not who the company has become anymore. Um, and that's, that's the thing is I, I want to match up to who they've become and evolved into, not who they started out as, because who they started out was a completely different entity than who they are today. So shouldn't it match the values that you, you have, the mission the culture, um, what everyone in this company believes in. You know, I think the branding that we did for Amanda Triolo at at Grasshopper um, is an amazing example of how brand affects culture. You know, so we renamed her, you know, had typical problems with the name. It was called PM Mechanical, uh, right? So so why would I ever remember that? Uh, but Grasshopper, I'm pretty sure I'm going to remember. And then the idea that Grasshoppers only move forward. So the, her tagline is forward is a way of life. And, and that's that's the foundation of her culture for the entire organization. And you want to talk about crazy numbers since rebranding they, they they were doing like around 100 million. I'm sorry, 100,000 a year in residential um, HVAC uh, work. And 18 months later, she just did her first uh, million dollar month. Man, that's fantastic. Now, is that the one that grew 619? I think it's 619%. Is that, how, is that her? Whatever stat it is, it's completely wrong by now because it's just, you know, they're on pace to do, I think, now over over $10 million in, in strictly HVAC residential sales. So, well, how did that how did that happen? I mean, she built an amazing culture and that brand was the foundation of that culture. So every employee knows that the objective of this company is we as an organization is going to move forward. Okay. We're not looking backwards. We're moving forward. We're going to help move our customers and our community forward. Um, and that, that has really become the bedrock of what they believe in. And, and um, she's going to be actually speaking at the service rocket event that I'm going to be speaking at um, in Vegas. I think it's October 20. 21st. Um, and I, you know, just, I think anybody that can listen to what she's done and, and watch what she's done after rebranding, like it's for, for me, it's probably one of my most proud success stories. I actually came up with the name myself personally. Um, and, uh, it's just, it's just been a great thing to watch her, uh, grow. And, um, uh, I think to your point, she's got, she doesn't have a recruitment problem. Let's put it that way. People right. want to work there because they know the atmosphere. They know 
the culture is so different than what they're used to. Um, and they want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. Um, so she doesn't have the same recruitment problems that probably 95% of every other HVAC company has. And that's a direct result of how she's been able to build an environment that is inviting to employees. You're right. I'm speaking. Look, I am literally I'm speaking about this at the PHCC national event, the connect event in um, in October. Also, it's in October, I believe that's correct. I think that's right. Anyway, um, it, and I'm talking this is exactly what I'm talking about, because it, it is so important that your that your that your employees can get behind your brand. They're not going to be excited about wearing, like you said, a shitty brand. They're not going to be excited about coming to work for a shitty brand. That you're not going to attract great people if you've got a shitty brand. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Now, I want to share this quick story with you because I think you'll I think you'll really enjoy it. And you may even know this gentleman. His van looks like something you would have done. Um, but I have a friend here that owns. I don't know how big his company is, but it's pretty pretty big. It's Comfort Monster. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah, we did their their brand. I told you. I knew you did. I, I I didn't know for a fact that you did, but I knew you. I knew that. Yeah. The reason I know because it stands out so much. It's ridiculous. And John, of course, you know John. John's a friend of a friend, but he's anyway. So, but their van and in John. This is what John told me. He told he told me the story about a year ago. He said, he said Corey. He said, um, he said I stopped by this. I said I saw these two little girls, um. I saw these two little girls on their bike with their dad. He said, I stopped and I gave them one of those comfort monsters. Yeah. Right. Just a plush toy probably cost him a dollar in China, where whatever is yeah, nothing. Yeah, yeah. But that was so impactful because that dad took a picture of his kid with that comfort monster the next, that night and posted it on Facebook. And that's the power of branding. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and how many and, people and, saw and, that? And his brand, I think, is really just something that is unexpected, right? And his color scheme with the purple and the apple green. So it's like, well, that doesn't seem like colors for an HVAC company. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why we want those colors, right? So so that's that's disruption, but still positive. Like, it's still professionally put together, um, that whole image that, that we did for him. Um, so I think that that's the part too, you know, I, I jokingly posted, I shared your post on my Facebook page and I said, I'll be talking about why red and red and blue arrows suck. Um, but, but red and blue arrows and, and snowflakes and, and fire, they, they suck because you can't own them. There's nothing unique. There's nothing compelling about that that would cause anyone to remember it. Um, so that's the other part of, of disruption that, um, really, you know, doing something that feels like it shouldn't be even make any sense. Like comfort monster doesn't even make any sense, but that's, well, that's the beauty of it. Like that's, that's the beauty know. of it. I don't know, Dan. I would argue. I think it makes sense because think it, about it. This. I, I, yeah. Well, I'm a home, I'm a homeowner. So like, if you have to come fix my AC one, I'm uncomfortable. And two, right. I think you're going to, you know, take off with $30,000. You're the monster. So <laughs> to me, it makes total sense. Right. I mean, <laughs> Just, and you know that's how people think about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, it, and think, it, that idea too, like the idea of doing something that feels unexpected for an owner, is is hard, right? Because they see what everyone else is doing, and then we're coming in there and telling them to do something very different. And so they have to get used to that idea of being comfortable with doing something that feels unnatural. And the reason why it feels unnatural is because it's different than what everyone else is doing. So like the whole idea when everyone is zigging, then I'm going to zag. 
takes guts, right? Because the comfort level is going to do the same thing that you see everyone else doing. Because you think that that's the pathway that you should follow. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna mimic what everyone else is doing because that seems to be the right way to do it. I'm like no, 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 no. We're, we're gonna go like in the opposite direction because that's how you disrupt. Like that's how you actually can stand out in a in a market. Like don't come to me looking for a brand that's gonna look like what everyone else in your market is doing. Like I'm the wrong guy for that. Like a lot of people would be happy to do that for you, but like I'm not the right guy. So we almost have to pre-qualify people that want to work with us because I have to make sure that they're they're on board with that notion of being disruptive. If, if you want me to design a brand that looks expected and looks like what you think um, everyone else is doing, like like don't don't come to me. Like I'm, we're not, it's not going to work out well because I'm going to have a very different idea on how this actually should go down. Um, and that take, like I said, that just takes that takes guts. Um, I think the nice thing is is um, I can't think of a single instance that when people were concerned or, or they were like, I'm not sure, but I'll, just, I'll, you know what, Dan, I'll trust you. You're the expert. Let's just do this. It's never not worked. Let's put it, let's put it that way. So I have that and, and I'm glad I can leverage that and have people feel comfortable with it. Or sometimes I tell them to talk to clients that we've done it for. that were also just as scared as, as they were. Uh, but Fortunately, you know, never really come back to, to bite us as far as a strategy that didn't work. Okay. So, you know, it takes guts to do something that is feels different. Um, but that's why it works. <laughs> I agree. And and I I, 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 look, I deal with the same thing because in, in, and this is going to sound super basic, but one of the things that, you know, that I really drive home with everybody that I work with and it's uncomfortable is I make them role play every single one of them and it's tiring and it's endless and it, it's frustrating, but guess what? I don't care because I know for a fact that if you do what I say or do what I'm explaining to you, you're going to be better. You're going to make more money. I don't care if you're uncomfortable right now. You're not going to be uncom uncomfortable in front of the customer whenever you have to explain this stuff. Right. Right. Super important. You got to be different. You yeah. have to be. So, um, all right. So, uh, you, you already kind of hit on it. You know, you, we already kind of hit on the um, attracting the right employees, and I think that is it's such a big deal right now and a hard pill for people to to swallow. Um, so, when people say, "Well, you know," when people say, "Well, it, this is going to cost me a fortune," how do you, you know, like you said, like let's take to take Tommy Mello, right? I'm sure that bill was not small. But he saw the value in that change. How did you get him? Did he know the value? Like, obviously, he probably he probably had an idea of, of the value when you started talking to him. But there has to be when you're dealing with a, a company that size and making a drastic change in their branding. That is unbelievable. As you mentioned, unbelievably scary because well, you're at thirty million dollars. Why would you? Why would you change and potentially go the other way? Well, right. that's a mindset problem if you think that way, but. But you, and, and I know Tommy's mindset is not that way. I, I listen to the guy, but ultimately you had to make that case, right? And that's a hard case to make. So tell yeah. us a little bit of how you do that. I, I think you look at the deficiencies that the current brand has, and you talk about that, and you're just honest about it. Um, you know, for you know, in, in Tommy's case, again, he, he had grown to to a certain space, but when you looked at his truck wraps, it was even difficult, like for the basic things, like to read his name to know what they did, um, the way in which the lettering was comprised, 
suffered from poor distance legibility. So as the truck was moving, I couldn't even read the name or, or the contact info and things like that. So there were some fundamental flaws in, in what he had that was obscuring really the message. And the other thing is too, is that it didn't look like a premium provider of garage door services. Um, so, you know, he, not that he was having trouble selling at higher average tickets, but he almost didn't look like he should be selling at higher average tickets. So, you know, even when we looked at the colors for him, like, cause his, his was basically hardcore, just red and black. I'm like Tommy, let's make this a little bit more warm. Let's make it a little bit more inviting. So we introduced brown to the palette. We introduced ivory to the palette. Okay. Because again, thinking about that woman consumer, right? What is she like? What colors make her feel comfortable? What colors make her feel like, like get that warmth from, from the company. So, um, and then he had become really the face of his brand because he had been featured on all his trucks previously. And so we decided to leverage that, um, and feature him. And we illustrated him obviously in a, in a very professional manner, um, and integrated him into the brand. We fixed the challenges of the way the lettering was comprised and the way the actual lockup of the logo was comprised. Um, and then it looks like a very premium company now, you know, and, and the trucks are just so um, distinct color palette in his market. Uh, at, at, you know, at that point, he was primarily in Phoenix, but now he's in all these other other markets. But still, even looking at the primary brand colors of, of dark brown, red and ivory, it's not like, oh, my God, there's hundreds of companies that are using that same color palette. It's still a very unique color palette. So that's you know part of the reason why we don't like to use red and blue for an HVAC company, because it's not unique and it's not ownable. Uh, outside of that, there's other HVAC companies that use it. There's also it's the colors of the American flag. So it, it's hard for me to say red and blue, I want you to only think about me. I'm going to be thinking about Americana. I'm going to be thinking about other things. So we always look for color palettes, again, that are more uniquely identifiable. And you're the only one that's using those colors. And, and therefore, when I see it, it becomes, again, more sticky in, in my mind. Yeah, you want to avoid any friction, right? You want to avoid any friction in me figuring out as the customer what you do. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And so many, so many reps really fail on that. I, I would, you know, it's crazy to say this, but I would say probably... 90% of every truck wrap that's out there is not nearly as effective as it should be. And some are just a complete waste of money totally. Um, and, and that's sad for me to see because again, that's a business owner's hard earned money that he paid someone that should have known better on how to do their job. So it kind of, it honestly, it pisses me off when I see it because it's someone that doesn't know or is in the business of designing wraps that, shouldn't be in the business of designing wraps. So I actually teach wrap design. So I try to educate as many people about it. Um, but we look at that responsibility as being sacred, like lives are at stake with the work that we do. So you would, you would better know what you're doing before you start advocating or recommending a strategy for someone's truck wrap. You better know what you're doing. Cause if you, if you don't get this right, then that's going to impact their life, their future, their employees, it, it like it, it, it trickles down. So like it, it, yeah, it does piss me off when I see it because somebody sold that to him and said that that was a good idea and it wasn't. So like, you know, Hey, listen, may, maybe the book will, uh, will help a few people like avoid that. And, and if that happens, Hey, that's, that's all I can hope for, honestly. Yeah, dude, I, I get that. And, and a lot of people, you know, they just don't think about 
the the ripple effect or or what it ha- what happens after that you know the exchange that transaction happens and and sales in in business is not about transactions it's about having a human to human interaction with somebody it's about caring about the people that you work with and if you're selling a bunch of garbage that doesn't work well what does that say about you and your company first of all you're not going to be around very long yeah and then but here's another question Dan that I thought about you know how often do you think that someone that's subpar, right? That they're way crappier than you, right? They're doing way crappier work, but yet they're churning out a ton of work. And then you, and I don't know if you see this, but, and then you hear, you know, this company's using that same crap company. And then that company's using that same crap company. And then that crap company is becoming the name brand crap company. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've yeah. seen this. I mean, I've seen it more so actually on the consulting side and, and on the best practices side where, where there's certain organizations that are, are basically peddling this, this recipe for, for branding that is, is so detrimental. Um, and, it, you know, listen, honestly, it, it pisses me off to no end because we've had to redo like dozens of them. You know, they have a formula that they say, oh, this is the way to do it. You, you crowdsource your logo and do it the cheapest way possible. And the data that we have on the before and afters, it's 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 shameful what they got sold and what they were told to do. And, and they followed it and they paid a ton of money to follow it. And it's being peddled as a recipe uh, for branding that like I'm oh my god like like again we've proved it so many times to be totally wrong so that really upsets me because not only did they pay for coaching and consulting for work for all this all this you know amazing ideas and recipes that they have on how this is supposed to work but then they wrapped dozens of trucks and they put it on their website and and their business cards and the uniforms and then saw you know a year or two later shit does not work Right. And then they come to us and we've got to fix it. And, and I've got to be the guy to tell them that everything that you've done, we've got to throw in the garbage and we've got to start over. And yep. and and so like that part of it is really frustrating for me because the whole idea of any whether it's best practices or, or a coaching organization, whatever the case may be, like just stay in your lane and talk about things that you're good at. Like you want to talk about operations. Like I don't pretend to know about operations. I'm not, I'm not your guy that's going to talk about your financial stuff. Okay. That I would recommend people that are experts at that. Right. But, but, but why some of these places pretend to be experts at areas that they have little to no experience in. I don't, I don't get it. You know? So um, just be careful about who you listen to in that world, in that arena, you know? So 2000 home service brands under my belt, learned a couple of things I'd probably say, wrote a few books about it. You know, listen, just, you know, read the book and like, before you make any decisions, right? And just just be cognizant of who you're listening to. But that stuff, honestly, Corey, like just just pisses me off to no end, you know? Just like stay in your lane and, and advocate for what you're good at but rely on the resources of, of agencies and other experts when, when you need to, because again, you're playing with the livelihoods of people and, and like, whatever, I could go on and on about that. So I don't, I don't want to make it negative, but I just, I just want people to understand that part of it. Well, here's what I think happens. Okay. I think that, you know, 
whoever, ABC Plumbing Company says, you know, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my brother to do my logo. He says he can do it. He says he can do it. I've seen him draw. I think he probably could do a pretty good job. I'm gonna let him do it. Let's see what he let's see how it comes back, and then we'll we'll go from there. What well, comes back, and you're like, ah, oh, well, it's my damn, it's my brother-in-law. So, I mean, it looks pretty good. I think it looks good enough for us to start, mm-hmm. right? And then you get bought into this crap branding that your brother did because you don't want to tell him that he sucks when you could have saved yourself God knows how much money if you had just said, hey, dude, your logo sucks. I'm going somewhere else. But they don't do that. They'd rather eat up all that money that they're going to waste in the future by not just spending a little bit more money and getting some and getting somebody like you to create their brand. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's funny that you talk about the brother. We, I, we always use the, the case that's your nephew, like your nephew that's really good in Photoshop, design, design your logo. But just to give you an example, Corey, as far as like even like our own team here and how selective we are with the people that work on brands. And we have five full-time brand developers on staff right now. Um, we, you know, when we hire for that position, like the last position we hired, we had over 200 applications from people who said they could do branding or could do uh, logo design. And um, they were all, you know, supposedly qualified, right? And, and out, of, out of 200 applications, there were two that were at the level that we would expect or need them to be to sell our, our branding services, right? So, so, so two out of 200, so one out of, a, reduce it down, it's one out of 100 is really what, so, so even graphic designers, um, generally speaking, are not brand designers. It's like a very specific subspecialty um, of, of that industry. It's kind of like the difference between maybe a guy that does, that does drains versus a guy that does regular plumbing. Like, you know, it's kind of a very niche part of plumbing. It's not the same. So, so um, there's a lot of people who, again, who say that they can do um, branding or, or logo design, uh, but then it's understanding how that logo needs to live in all these other environments which is what they don't get, and especially the outdoor environment. Like even even like more traditional branding agencies really don't understand trucks. Like I had the I had the 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 fortunate experience of basically working on trucks when I was 15 years old. I lettered my first home service truck, hand painted. Okay, so I started out as a sign painter, hand lettering home service trucks. Right. So here, crazy. Wow, wow. 40 years later, I'm still doing it. Right. But but. Um, that experience of being on the side physically of a truck and then stepping back and making sure I had things like it was legible, right? You could read it. So, you sure. know, these guys get on Photoshop and they start clicking a whole bunch of effects and, and, and adding crap to it. And then the, it's legible looking at it on a screen, maybe if they're lucky, but in the real environment, they, they don't get it. So it is a very, very unique uh, skill set that you need. And to be able to understand implementation on other channels is the other aspect. So, so maybe, maybe it is good on a truck, but maybe then it sucks on a website or on your uniform or on your business card or your, your maintenance agreement brochures or all those other things. So that's the part where, again, we want to make sure too, every one of those touch points are still communicating that brand promise. Um, it's not, you know, suddenly changed on one, one environment versus the other. And, and it's just not a lot of people that really get that. I would say. Yeah, I no, I, I agree with you. Um, I, yeah, I totally agree because there's a lot of confusing brands out there. There's a lot of brands out there that, you know, you just don't, you just don't know, you know, what they think. And I think the reason for that, and you touched on this a little bit earlier is that, 
Well, let's, you know, I, it, this is a fact. Two thirds of the people are that you talk to are not like you, right? So, in other words, if I'm thinking about I like this brand, I like this logo, I'm cutting out two two thirds of the other people because two thirds of the people don't think like I do. Yeah. Right. So, what what is enticing and, and appealing visually to me is not going to match that sixty year old grandmother or or whatever sixty year old whatever. Uh, that I'm going to their house. It's just not going to be the same. Right. Yeah. 100%. So. Yeah. Um, okay. So I feel like I had one more thing here that I had for you. And I usually don't even ask, I don't usually write questions down, but I'm so, I was so interested after reading the little bit of your book that I did, because we align so much on a lot of different things. Um, how can, uh, how can, if, if, Let's just say one of these companies out here that is struggling to attract people. What could it was something simple they could do branding wise? Let's just give them a tip or, or, or not a tip or some, something they could do to increase their um, increase their brand awareness, maybe increase the, um, the visibility of it. I don't know. Give us to get give the audience if they're listening and they don't have you as their branding partner. What is something that they can do? Maybe they're on a budget. That's where I was going with that. Sorry, I got yeah, yeah. a little bit tongue-tied there. At, at the very least, I would say, Corey, like if they could just exercise consistency. Okay, so no matter where they might expect a potential customer to be interacting with their brand, be consistent in its presentation. Okay, so don't don't have the 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 printer do an adaptation or an interpretation of your logo. Don't have the, the rap guy add his little spin to it. Don't have the screen print guy add his little spin to it. Uh, and your web guy add their little spin to it. Make sure every single time that that visual is presented, it's consistently uh, done in the same fashion. So the same colors, um, just try to be as consistent. So even if the brand is weak or not as well constructed as you might like it to be, at least it's consistent, right? So at least no matter where someone sees it, they know. So like start with even just having your logo file as an asset that you can give to your vendors and have your colors specified. Like what is the, what is the blue that we use? What is the orange that we use? Um, and give that information to the, the people that you're working with so they have at least have a benchmark to hit and to follow. So at least if you're doing that, that is something that, shouldn't really cost much more money, but can be implemented to all your channels. And at least you're starting with that consistent look. So even if it's not great, at least it's the same experience um, in, in all the applications. I totally agree with that. I mean, how many times do you see people that, that don't do it the way you just said? And and maybe it is, a uh, they've got it posted somewhere and you can see it's maybe not super pixelated, but there's something just a little bit off with it. It's like, it's so distracting. <laughs> It's so distracting. Yeah. So Dan, go ahead. Yeah. This has been such a great conversation. Um, and I'm really, really uh, grateful that you came on today, but if you could just tell everybody, uh, I want you to tell everybody the name of your book again, where they can find that, where they can find you. Sure. The name of the book is branded, not blanded. Um, kickstart your home service brand. And that will be available for pre-order on Amazon, um, September 1st. So we'll have a Kindle version that will be available 
Um, it's going to be available at a reduced price just for the for the launch. Um, and then probably a week or two later, we'll actually have the printed copy uh, available as well. Uh, so you'd be able to get both um, if you want. Is there somewhere where they can go check out uh, a preview of the book or is there or are we or do you want me to give me a link they can go to in September? Yeah, we'll give we'll give you a link then. And um, we may have some stuff on kickcharge.com to uh, to order the book directly from us if they wanted to do that. But for, for the beginning, it's really going to be um, Kindle. This is actually the first time I'm having the ebook available. My last book was a little bit too laid out in a way that I guess wasn't very friendly towards ebooks. So um, I definitely kept that in mind when I designed um, this book. So, um, but I, I think it's one of those things where um, the ebook I think is great. I think you'll want to read the ebook, but then I think you'll want to get the printed copy and like take notes in it and do do that kind of stuff. It's a very visual book, so um, I think it's um, I think it'd be cool to sort of look at it both ways. It it is super visual, which I I absolutely love because I'm ADHD and pictures are great for me. But here's what I think is interesting: you just when you just mentioned, uh, you know, ten years ago when you wrote the first book, well, you didn't have the the knowledge about Kindle at that time. This is a great. I just want to end on this. This is exactly what people do with their brand. They set it up ten years ago, and things come along that are better and different. And you didn't know at the time. You didn't know what you didn't know. But the, the format was different, right? Yeah. It didn't work yeah. 10 years yeah. later. Same material. It just didn't work, right? Yeah. So anyway, I just thought I'd end on that. Dan, thank you so much. I really appreciate you, man. And we'll see you soon. Thanks, brother. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This, 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 this is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning into the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at CoreyBarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.